Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Writer's Advice Podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Now, I have another really incredible author that you um, that I have to share with you and another really beautiful chat that I know that you guys are going to absolutely love. Um, a little update, if you have been loving these episodes, please leave a review or share this episode with a friend. Um, there is so much goodness in this one. Also, book two of the Shadow and Shifter series is officially out. So Starseed book one is out there in the world. And now book two, Quintessence, is out there as well. So I am just going to give you a little bit um, of an about on this. So this is kind of like a little bit where the hell is she coming from? I definitely recommend that you look up um, Starseed. But this is book two of my Young Adult Paranormal series. So Maya and Kaya are only just learning how to navigate the dark shadows that linger around the earth. As Maya and Kay move through grief to prepare for their final exams, fate has other plans and the dark shadows thicken at a rapid pace. The cause? Two twin girls new to Stanton High. Shifters from the centre of the earth, willing to do anything to take down a starseed and use their soul power on any human that gets in their way. Battle is imminent and Maya and Kay are greatly outnumbered. Confident to win with love by their side, they're ready to do anything to protect the earth and its people, even if that means fighting to their soul's death. I love this book, guys, and honestly, go check out the cover. It is absolutely gorgeous and I know you are going to love it. And if you love all things paranormal, then you are going to absolutely love this episode as well and this week's guest. So enjoy, guys. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice Podcast, everyone. I am very excited because today we have Ruth Ware joining us, who I am so excited to dive into so many things. And you've actually been um, recommended or asked to pretty much come on for this podcast from the audience. So I'm sure that everyone else is very excited to have you on as well. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. And how nice to know that, yeah, people have been asking for me. This makes me feel very flattered. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm really I'm really excited to dive into so much. But um I wanna know from like the what was the start for you? What was the moment where you're like, okay, I think writing is something I want to dive into, or you thought you were a writer, et cetera. How did how did it all start for you? I think yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's quite a complicated question, really. I think I was always a storyteller, like right from when I was a little girl, um, you know, even before I could write, I was sort of telling my sister stories about our teddies and our dolls and, you know, my 
like Barbie dolls always had these sort of, you know, amazingly complex love lives and were always, you know, getting married. It was like something out of a Jackie Collins novel, falling out, <laughs> having feuds. Um, so, yeah, there was, you know, I was always kind of a storyteller. And when I when I went to school and, and you know, learned how to read and write, I sort of started writing little stories right from when I was quite kind of young really and they just sort of started getting longer and longer all the way through my teens until you know I suppose by the time I was kind of 13 or 14 I think I was writing sort of book length things I would hesitate to wow. call them books because they they lacked you know quite yeah. a lot of the sort of stuff necessary for to be a book um, but you know I remember one of my English teachers setting us um a holiday homework where she said you know you can write a story over the summer holidays in our market when you get back and I sort of came back in September with this kind of 200 page sort of thing and like sort of banged it down on her desk and you could sort of see her face where she was like just oh my god what have I let myself in for I think she probably read about the first 10 pages and was like yeah very good anyway moving on um but um I don't think I ever really considered myself um a writer in the sense of I didn't really know anybody who was a writer. You know, I went to a really sort of regular state school. Um, my parents didn't move in those circles. You know, being a writer just seemed like something that, I don't know, more, you know, something that happened to fancier people who were somehow qualified in some way that I wasn't. Um, so it, I, I, I sort of carried on writing all the way through my teens um, and my 20s, actually. Um, but didn't really do anything with it, didn't really try and get published. Um, and I don't think I ever really saw um, being a writer as a kind of, yeah, I don't think, I just, I, don't, I just don't think I believed it was like a sort of valid career for kind of quote unquote someone like me, a sort of regular person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting how I love hearing these stories from writers of you have that thing, like it's a natural gift to you when you're um a child of like okay that's the way you know you like you learn to tell stories or you learn to communicate and that's like your go-to place and then it's this disconnect between I don't know life and creativity it's like oh no I, I couldn't do that I've got to get a quote-unquote real job and so you went down did you go down a completely different career path was that well not really so I think I always you know like books were always my first love um I, I, I very nearly studied maths at university because I'm also quite mathsy. My dad um, had a very sort of mathematical brain. My mum was like the reader and I think I sort of ended up being kind of half and half. But in the end, my love for books won out and I um, I did English um, at university and spent three years basically just reading. Um, and then after that, went and worked with books in various different capacities. You know, I had the usual kind of like student type jobs of you know being a waitress and stuff like that but when I when I sort of when I thought about my career I knew I wanted to work in books so I worked as a bookseller for a while um, and then um, became um, a publicity assistant um, in the book trade um, which was great it gave me a really good kind of insight into behind the scenes um, but I think if anything it sort of confirmed me in my feeling that um writers were sort of special people you know because I was kind of working with these absolutely incredible writers who were like you know Booker Prize winners Nobel Prize winners and it just made it really hard to kind of look at the sort of things I was scribbling on my computer and think yeah you know there's a place for me on those bookshelves um so yeah so I I, I sort of I stayed as close to the book world as I possibly could 
but I think the whole experience of working with books of realizing um sort of quite how high the bar is for publication um kind of put me off if anything <laughs> It's interesting because when I feel like sometimes you can be naive to the world and then you're, you're thrust into it. You're like, oh, okay. Like it kind of confirms some of those things. But so your first book was published in 2015. When was the moment when you were like, and yeah, I feel like you've, you've definitely, have you got like 10 books now? It's like more than years, I feel like. Of, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, so there's, I've, I'm writing the 10th at the moment, yep. um, but I have, um, eight no I'm writing in the ninth at the moment so I have eight eight seven out my eight zero days is is literally just about to come out around about now um and yes yeah, so I'm I'm writing uh number nine um I think yeah so basically when I was um I was off on maternity leave with my second baby and still kind of scribbling in my spare time but I had this kind of realization that I barely had time to do anything you know I didn't have time for hobbies I didn't have time for you know I wasn't going to the gym I was like barely washing my hair some days yeah. I had you know two two small kids um and a pretty demanding job um and I suddenly had this realization when I was on maternity leave that if I didn't find a way to kind of keep writing in my life if I didn't find a way to monetize it basically I was going to lose this when I went back to work because I just wouldn't have time to to keep yeah. it in my life. And it was that kind of use it or lose it sort of thing where I thought I have to write something that's good enough to publish um, and I have to write it with kind of with publication in mind and I have to get over myself and sub this to agents. Um, and I think that had always been the kind of the, my biggest sort of, you know, I don't think anybody likes being rejected but it, I've always sort of had a particular allergy to it if someone says no I'm like okay I'm just not going to try anymore and I think I sort of I I realized that actually re rejection is really part of the game of being a writer you just have to accept it's going to happen and you have to make your peace with that and after I'd sort of psyched myself up into this position where I was like yes I'm going to go for it um yeah that I that was the first that was my first published book um but actually I wrote YA before I wrote um crime so my yeah. first published book was for teenagers <clears throat> but then after having written a few books for teens um I was having coffee with a friend and she we both love crime novels psychological thrillers both kind of addicts um and we were talking about our favourite reads, you know, what books we'd loved and so on. And she said, Do you know what? I would love to read a psychological thriller set on a hen night. And as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, that's an amazing idea. And I, I can't think of a book where it's been done, but I don't know why not. Because it's, you know, it's like the perfect setting. You've got kind of this close group of people. You've got kind of tensions running really high. You've got people who know each other really well, but also people who don't know each other at all. Um and I thought, gosh, I really, really want to write this book. But obviously, an, a novel set on a hen night, there's no real way that can be for teenagers. It's not a real <laughs> teen part yeah. of the teen experience. Um, so I sort of had to make up my mind, really. And I went I went back to my agent and said, um, I think I want to write a novel for adults, a crime novel. And, you know, she could have said, and it would, it would have been like really kind of sensible advice in some way she could have said like no you know you've got your teen audience stick with what you're good at stick with what you know but to her credit she didn't she said you know yeah you know you, you go for it we'll make it work 
and that was in a dark dark wood which kind of just yeah blew away certainly all my expectations for how it would do I don't know if my publishers was a sort of bit more <laughs> a bit more optimistic but yeah it 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 had success in a way that I'd never sort of experienced before so that was really yeah yeah I find this yeah I find this really interesting too because so obviously you read you read crime and psychological thrillers and like was that any did you think that you would go down like that would be where you write and that would be where you like grow your career from did you know that that was gonna like something that was gonna come up it was literally just that idea then and there where you're like oh I'm gonna give this a go for something different yeah it it was more the latter really um I mean it's funny because I've always loved reading crime I read crime a lot as a you know sort of even right back to kind of Nancy Drew type stuff as a kid um and then as I I got to be a teenager I started you know reading a lot of classic crime kind of Agatha Christie Dorothy L Sayers all those types of people um and then, yeah, sort of psychological thrillers um, as an adult. Um, but I'd never tried writing it in spite of all of the sort of, you know, proto books I'd written. And I'd done kind of fantasy and sort of romance and literary fiction and sci-fi. I'd sort of tried my hand at almost everything apart from crime. Um, but I think the books that I was writing had sort of they'd always had really strong mystery elements. There'd always mm. been sort of some really kind of key question at the heart of the book. Um, that the reader was sort of trying to figure out so I think while those questions had never been sort of overtly crime I think in some ways I'd been I'd been sort of preparing myself to write psychological thrillers yeah Um, and as as soon as I started writing you know it sort of it plotted itself in a weird kind of way I remember sitting on the bus on the way home after talking this through with my friend and just the kind of characters walking on inside my head and having you know all these ideas for motives and stuff from red herrings Um, and yeah I just I found it just super super fun to write and it was sort of thinking I don't know why I haven't done this years ago. And I love those moments of like an idea comes and it's just like, no, this is one like, like you said on the bus, it's like, it's actually eating away from me now. Like I need to make, I need to make this happen and put it together. But I, I'm like you, I love reading crime and psychological thrillers. The idea of writing one, this is why I think I love talking to, like talking to an author who's, who's writing them because the idea, like how do you go about writing this some of these scenes like how how is it for you are you able to completely separate yourself or you're like right there in it when you're when you're in the process oh it's a really good question um I mean I think in terms of um when I'm writing I'm always kind of there in the shoes of my characters like I don't think you can write someone's angry dialogue without kind of feeling a bit yourself yeah. and you know so sometimes if I've written like a really sort of furious scene I'll kind of go, go downstairs and find myself snapping at my husband and have to be like <laughs> no he wasn't actually the husband in the scene you know you have to separate <laughs> out it's a bit like you know when you wake up from a dream and, and you've had a, a dream where you're really furious with someone you sort of have to consciously remind yourself the next day that they didn't actually do any of this stuff this is all in your head yeah yeah um, so there's def- there's definitely an element of that, but I think um, an interesting thing about writing um, sort of scary stuff uh, for me is I'm I'm quite a wuss when it comes to reading books. I put off reading uh, Stephen King for years yeah. because I I was very scared of sort of you know and I still haven't read some of his scarier books but I actually I do love him now I love 
read The Shining recently and absolutely adored that. Um, so I think I am getting a bit braver. But I think as, as a writer, it's very difficult to scare yourself because the essence of being scared is uncertainty. Um, you know, it's that sort of it's like in a film, you know, you hear the spooky music. You can you can sort of tell that there is something coming. But the reason you jump is the unexpectedness of it when the kind of when the jump scare comes. And that is very, very difficult to pull off for yourself. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I make myself uneasy or concerned or whatever about my characters, but I don't feel scared because I'm in control the whole time. I'm in the driving seat. I can choose, you know, when the curtain gets ripped back. I know exactly what's behind it because I put it there. Yeah. So I don't I don't find my books as tense and scary as I think readers do. Um, and the other thing about writing, which I think is true for all genres, but um, maybe particularly for um, the genre I write in, is that writing books is really sort of for me anyway I find it kind of like free therapy in a way in yeah. all of my books are sort of about fears or phobias or situations that I would hate to find myself in and usually the process of the book writing the book is a really good way of kind of working through those fears thinking about them thinking about how you would react and so you kind of come out the other end sort of feeling quite um I find it really quite calming it's sort of quite cathartic you get to work through all those emotions without actually having to experience the situation oh my god you explained that so well because I, I you explain one well, yes you do know I guess what's happening and I, I can't believe I didn't think of that before <laughs> and also I've never thought about this one, like yeah, particularly when it comes to like crime or and a psychological thriller. When you're going into these headspaces, or you have to put like a scene in, I've I I love it when authors talk about um, it is like therapy because I guess when you're writing everything, even if you're in that like full theta brain state, your it's your subconscious coming up. You're almost like telling you read your work back, and you're almost like oh yep needed to hear that like. <laughs> And I, I I love that when you said fears and like moving through that because you must finish a book and just like oh I'm a whole new woman like <laughs> that's a bit yeah feeling. not oh, often I don't really kind of realize <clears throat> like what I'm writing about until I'm sort of about halfway through and actually um, my previous book The It Girl uh, which came out last year is is a really good example of that and I sort of I started writing it with kind of lots of ideas in my head about you know the media and sort of how young women are treated and kind of violence and stuff um, and it wasn't until about halfway through that I realised what I was actually writing about probably for me really was um, I'd done jury duty a few years before and I'd found it a really stressful experience yeah. um, just the whole sort of thing of you know holding not the fate of someone's life in your hands because the case that I was involved with wasn't nearly as serious as the one that I portray in the book um but definitely you know like making a really big decision on behalf of someone else and the pressure to sort of get that right and to take it really seriously and to kind of to weigh up all the evidence really carefully um and I you know the jury that I was on was really responsible I think everybody on it took it really seriously everybody wanted to do right by everybody involved but I sort of came out of it thinking how bruising and brutalizing you know the justice system is in that whatever happened like we couldn't make everything okay for all these people who had come into the courtroom whatever verdict came in they were still all going to go out with the same problems the same you know injuries done to them the same kind of horrible experiences none of that was going to go away yeah. um 
And I just sort of started thinking about the fact that I'd been involved in this case in the most kind of privileged sort of, you know, removed way possible in that I was just a juror. I was one of 12. I didn't have kind of individual responsibility. I'd come in for two weeks. That was it at the end of it. I could go home and put this behind me. But, you know, if I'd been there as a witness or as a defendant, you know, that is something that you would have been living with for probably two years by the time the case came up, you know, going over and over things again, going over your account with the police. And at the end of it, you were still going to have to go away and live with what had happened. And I, yeah, I think I hadn't sort of realised until I sat down to write The It Girl that actually that was kind of what I was working through was the sort of the the what if like what if you were involved in a really serious case like that and and what if you made a mistake Mm -hmm. and my character Hannah that's what she's grappling with all the way through the book and and in the process of sort of working through that with her and kind of absolving her I guess I was sort of you know saying saying to myself kind of it'll be okay (laughs) yeah I I, and is this is is this how ideas come to you most of the time it's it can just be like a moment or something that stays with you that's like hang on and I love those moments of like what if you know what I mean is that is that how most of your ideas come it's totally every book is totally different um so yeah the it girl kind of um I guess it did come from that sort of what if like what what if you were involved in a court case and you made a huge mistake you know like you told the truth you said what you thought happened but years later you realized that perhaps you had misconstrued something or Mm. misunderstood something um so that was that that what if came pretty pre-formed um but a lot of books are more kind of um sort of formal from a different direction so zero days which is uh, the one that's about to come out um that was much more kind of um I was like many people in lockdown I got very addicted to podcasts you know when we were kind of standing in line at the shops or you know cooking endless snacks for my kids or whatever it was it was like a way of kind of you know keeping my brain active while doing sort of a lot of very mundane tasks um and I I already had a lot of tech podcasts on my radar because I'd just written two tech books um the turn of the key which is about a smart house and um one by one which is about uh, an app company a kind of uh, a sort of tech startup um, and so I had all these tech podcasts on my radar and through lockdown I sort of found myself gravitating to the kind of the darker end of the spectrum where I was listening to more and more stuff about cybercrime, hackers, um, the dark web and just became fascinated by this whole world and for the first time heard about this um this group of people who I'd never heard about before called pen testers um and there's one particular podcast that I um really enjoyed listening to called Darknet Diaries he had the host of that has a lot of interviews with um pen testers um and they're they're fascinating people because basically they are kind of good guys for want of a better word who act like bad guys so the idea is if you've got a secure system or a secure database or a secure building you don't actually know how secure how well your security will hold up against an attacker until someone comes along and tries it but ideally you don't want the first person to find out all your you know the holes in your security to be an actual criminal so you can hire these people who use the same techniques and tools as a criminal hacker would 
to test your defences and then, you know, they'll come back to you and say, this held up, this wasn't so great, you should maybe tell your staff not to do this. So, you know, it's a kind of, it, it's a way of sort of seeing how well your defences would hold up against an attacker without the sort of high stakes um, kind of uh, outcome. Um, and the more I was listening to this podcast, the more I was thinking, gosh, you know, a pen tester would make a really interesting main character. <laughs> And I'd already written one book where the character's job was kind of really central to the plot. Um, the Death of Mrs. Westaway is about a tarot reader and the fact that um, my main character in that is she's basically a, a cynical tarot reader. So she doesn't believe in the power of the card. She's kind of faking it for her clients. Um, but the skills that she's picked up over the course of doing that job are really central to who she is and how she's able to sort of handle the challenges that are thrown her way. And I had loved writing someone with a really awesome set of unusual professional skills and mm -hmm. sort of figuring out what kind of person they would be. Um, and I knew as soon as I heard about pen testers that that same, there would be that same kind of fascination there. There would be someone with a really interesting, fascinating set of personal skills. Someone who would have to be quite an unusual person in the first place to want to do that job. Yeah. Um, and the plot sort of formed itself around that. So kind of Jack, my main character, she came first, figuring out who she was, what kind of person she would be, how she would have got herself into that profession that sort of the plot kind of coalesced around her whereas sometimes you know it kind of comes from completely the other direction um the woman in cabin 10 which is about a murder on a cruise that sort of came from the other direction I knew I wanted to have um a basically a, a murder on a cruise ship was sort of the core of my idea at the beginning um and from that it, I sort of figured out the characters and who would be there and what kind of you know what kind of crime would you commit on a cruise ship why would you go on a cruise ship in order to murder someone um, so that sort of started from the other end the kind of the plot came first and the characters developed out of that yeah I love how you talk about this though because it's literally just being I feel like I mean, and it works differently for everyone, but some people either usually have just, they start with a character, like a character comes to them first or plot comes to them first, but you're just kind of like letting it happen of like whatever comes first. And then it's like getting curious into those parts of it and who's involved and like letting however that idea comes to you and, and going with that. So I love it. It's like being open to the process. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. And I think, I think, you know, obviously everyone works differently. I think if you've got a series character, it's different because you're kind of, you're not stuck with that character but you know that that's a sort of that's a given that you'll be working with this particular person I don't I always written standalone so in that sense it really is you know I can develop it however I like but I think the other aspect of it for me is that you know people often say which do you start with do you start with plot and do you start with character and in one sense you can answer the way I just have done of saying you know sometimes I start with one sometimes I start with the other but the truth is that actually particularly in crime plot is character mm. and character is plot because ultimately every action you have to work out why someone would have done it that way what kind of person would do that so and then you know if you start with character then it goes the other way you're like who is this person how would they act but the two are so inextricably intertwined yeah, yeah. that actually they dictate each other you can't think about one without thinking about the other
Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And I'm excited for zero days because this whole like going into the whole tech crime, particularly the dark web, I feel like it's a very topic right now that's like, <laughs> once again, I don't know how you read it. I'm like, when you're talking about security systems, you're like checking your door of a night. I'm excited to dive into that. That sounds so great. So that's everywhere on the 6th of July. That's right. Yeah, it, it it was a really interesting bit to research. Um, I'm not so much checking kind of my back doors and stuff because um, actually, you know, my although my main character is a physical pen tester, as in she tests buildings rather than sort of digital systems. Yeah. Um, you know, realistically, that's not going to be if someone wants to burgle you, they'll just smash your window. Like yeah, that's yeah. Not- <laughs> But I think one of the funny things about researching it was the more I researched kind of hacks and exploits and sort of systems like big, well-publicized hacks, the more I realized that, uh, you know, all of our data is already out there. We're all going to great lengths to to kind of to keep ourselves secure and, you know, download antivirus software and, you know, evade phishing attacks and stuff. And obviously all of that is really, really important. Um, but actually like I would say probably half of the hacks that I researched in the book um my data was probably on those systems you know they were big big hacks things like you know uber talk talk all of those kinds of companies that had thousands of customers data and it's just a numbers game if you're if you're on the net even if you're not because you know you can be checking into a hotel in person you can never have gone onto the internet but the the hotel will still be storing their data on some sort of secure database. And if that gets hacked, your name and address and email addresses is, is out there, regardless of how you inputted it. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a numbers game. We're all affected by this stuff all the time, whether we know it or not. Yeah. Oh my, and I just want to dive into this. I'm very, very everyone needs to get their hands on this book because I know that everyone's listening into this now because it is, it's such a thing. But um, what was the most uncomfortable thing that you maybe you don't maybe you don't want to tell me because like, I don't know how much it's got into your book but what was the most uncomfortable thing that you uncovered during that research and did you have to dive deep to get a lot of these details like for instance Uber being hacked or is that easy public data for people to know it's most of it is out there partly yeah. because um pen testers are often extraordinarily generous with their time and their expertise I mean ultimately most of these people went into it because they don't want people getting hacked and scammed so they're often like really generous about sort of you know giving tips explaining how these kind of hacks work giving you know basically I think most information technology people seem to think knowledge is power and um sometimes you get situations where you know people are talking about things on twitter explaining how they they you know go about sort of hacking stuff and people are saying don't you know don't say this because you know you'll be giving people ideas on how to scam other people and actually those things are already being discussed you know people mm. are already swapping those the bit the, the people who are interested in doing you harm probably already know those things so the more transparent you can be about that information the better people are equipped to defend themselves um so you know no no most most of that stuff I I didn't have to sort of dig into the sort of really dark corners of the web to find out it's all out there it's all googleable it's just a matter of you know immersing yourself into it enough um in I don't know in terms of I would say actually probably researching the book um 
was in some ways a reassuring process because I think knowledge very much is power in these circumstances and learning more and more about how people get hacked how people get fished how databases are broken it made me feel better equipped to defend myself um so the one the one piece of information um that all security experts seem to give as like their number one base thing is never reuse a password and in practice that means using a password manager you know some yeah there's lots on the market um but that that, that's the number one way people get hacked is they have like some kind of master password that they're using for all their kind of internet sites and the problem is you are creating a chain of linked accounts which is only as strong as its weakest link and one of those sites will get hacked you know we were talking about a minute ago it is just a numbers game like there are so many hacks happening all the time one of those companies will slip up data will be leaked and then your password and email address will be out there for people to try on any other sites and the more sites that you have used it on the more likely they are to get a hit so that that's the that's the single easiest thing that you can do to protect yourself is is never use a never reuse a password um but yeah you know i think it was it was exactly that it was sort of figuring out how people get caught how mistakes are made but also you know not being complacent because you know as i was saying my data is out there your data is out there all of our data is out there you just have to know that and accept that that's part of the price of having a modern interconnected world we're all vulnerable in that sense Uh, so I think yeah I came away feeling sort of I guess um, a bit more sober a bit more realistic Mm. (laughs) about the risks of of being out there in the modern world Um, but also feeling maybe a little bit better equipped to um to to protect myself yeah and everything that you just said proves why your books are so amazing because you have these <laughs> you have one you have one thought and you're like oh, I just love how you're talking about it right now because it's like no I you know it's like a thirst for knowledge of like what it like what is the depth of this and and how far can I go and how much can I equip myself into this situation of this world and it brings such true life to it in your writing so I absolutely love that so zero days is out UK and Australia on the 6th of July and America, do you have a date yet or? Uh, 20th of June. So it's actually out slightly earlier if you're a US or Canadian listener. Lucky you. (laughs) Get onto it. Now I have a couple of um, final quick questions for you. One thing I want to ask you in particular is when it comes to, I I always ask um, authors what advice they have for any upcoming writers that are listening into the podcast as well. But do you, I'm going to ask you two, one for just general writers and two what's your go-to tip for people who want to write crime or psychological thrillers and and dive particularly into that genre well actually I would say that my tip for both is probably the same and it's something that crime and psychological thriller writers need to think about more carefully but it's also I think something that is easier for us to do in some ways and I think it's a sort of it's an easy trick that people in other genres can benefit from Um, So my tip would be always to give your readers a reason to turn the page. And in practice, that usually means a question, something that they want to find out, something that they're fascinated by, some little inconsistency that they're like, oh, is that a mistake or did I just pick up on something? And I think for crime and, and thriller writers, it's in some ways 
a little bit easier because there's often a, a big question that's kind of baked into our plot you know who done it is the kind of classic one although you know you can write books many different ways you can have why done it or how done it or you know a combination of all of those um but the question of of what's happened what's the secret will our main character be okay and be able to uncover it that's the sort of that's the the kind of the beating heart of our plots mm. um but it's not enough to have one single question that's not going to draw the reader all the way through so you need a, a lot of sort of smaller questions to kind of hook readers through the pages and I think um, Gone Girl is a really good example of this and it's an example that I use sometimes when I do teaching um, there in the first chapter we learn that um, Amy's disappeared that um, you know there's been um, seemingly a struggle in um, her living room with tables overturned and stuff so the big question is obviously like what has happened to Amy and is her husband Nick involved um, but towards the end of the first chapter um, Nick's being interviewed by police and he just kind of drops into the conversation just really casually so, something like <clears throat> it was the fourth lie I had told the police that day and of course instantly as a reader you're like uh, I'm sorry, what? Why is he lying to police? And what are the other three things in this chapter that were incorrect that he has said? And Gillian Flynn very cleverly, she she answers some of those things in the very next chapter. So she doesn't kind of keep you waiting too long. Other aspects of it, you you don't find out until much later in the plot. But I'm sure I'm not alone as a as a reader. When I got to that line, I was like, well, clearly I'm not putting the book down tonight <laughs> because I have to find out the answer to this. So I think that's that's a really good example. Um, but it's something that you know that writers of all genres can use is just just to get to the end of a chapter and think about what what is my reader what does my reader want to find out? What is going to be their reason for turning the page at the end of this chapter? And if you can answer that, I think you've got a pretty gripping book on your hands. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely love that. And it also that just like, you're so right, that cements everything, particularly with a crime novel. It's like the pacing, keeping it all going. And also I'm just like, I mean, it keeps you writing to yourself. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I want to know the answer to those questions often just as much as the reader, because frequently they're things that I haven't figured out myself. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a fun little puzzle that you're playing at the same time. So I absolutely love that. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on, Ruth. You have given so much amazing advice. You have told us so much. Everyone needs to get their hands on Zero Days. And um, yeah, I'm excited for also and what's next. Oh, <laughs> you said you're writing you for having me novel. on Olivia this has been such a pleasure and um yeah to all your listeners keep writing <laughs> or I will actually just let you know where oh sorry I'll I know if they can go to your website let let us know where everyone can check out all your, all your things I'll put it in the show um so yeah I am my website is uh ruthware.com not very uh imaginative <laughs> um and I'm on uh most social media Twitter Instagram uh Facebook as at ruthwarewriter um, I am on TikTok, but I don't really post. I just claimed my at. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, Ruth Ware writer. Come and find me. I love to chat. Awesome. I'll put it on the show notes. Thank you so much, Ruth. Thanks so much. <laughs>